I'm Nora McInerney, and this is Terrible. Thanks for asking. The play is about to begin. It's in the school auditorium, so picture folding chairs, homemade costumes, an entire production of third graders. Now, it's the early 1990s, so parents are winding their little instant cameras. They're going to drop that off at the uh, photo center later. Maybe they'll get those photos in 24 hours. Who knows? Maybe they'll order doubles. It's, It's that kind of day. It's that kind of event. There are no phones that could possibly disrupt this performance. There are no giant iPads being held up obstructing the view so someone can take a photo on an iPad. That should not be a thing. Older brothers are sitting there just bored out of their gourds, just sitting there in their Zubas with their bowl cuts, kicking the seat in front of them in their Reebok pumps. There's other dated 90s things happening. Slap bracelets, there's a lot of neon. Someone's wearing plaid. Anyway, the play is The Wizard of Oz, which is adorable when played by children. We all know the story. The rural bumpkin travels to a new town, arrives by murdering a local, and then rounds up three friends to kill again. Erin is playing Auntie M. Dorothy's Auntie M. It's a speaking role, so there's no hiding in the background as munchkin number four picking your nose and mumbling out of tune about lollipop guilds. The lights go down. Or actually, a teacher probably just flicks off the lights and wanders onto stage because this isn't Broadway. This is grammar school. And backstage, little Erin is getting ready for her big entrance into Kansas. And my my best friend, who is also um, my biggest bully... <laughs> Um, Classic. She right. It's the mm-hmm. worst. Um, she she pulled me aside and sh- 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 she said, "Aaron, please don't stutter when you're doing this. It's really embarrassing to me." Children are the worst, and also the best. But I mean, oh, the worst. Up until this point in her life, Erin had not really thought much about her stutter. Sure, she knew that she spoke differently. But she'd also spoken like that for as long as she could remember. First, um, um, the the onset of stuttering is around three and four. A lot of kids grow out of it, but um, for those lucky ones (laughs) like me, um, for me, it was, um, it arrived when I was about three, and then it um, um, briefly went away, and then it it, um, came back when I was around four. Stuttering is a speech disorder. And it shows up in different ways. It sometimes shows up as repetition. She said, Aaron, please don't stutter. Like that. And sometimes it shows up as a block where the word just 
doesn't come out. Um. Um. The onset? Just like that. Erin has both. Her stutter showed up out of the blue when she was just a little kid, and her parents never made a big deal out of it. They never even really talked about it. They just... I think their tactic was to just let me speak the way that I speak and to not to not make a big deal about it, which was good on the one hand because I didn't feel like they were judging me. But then on the other hand, I kind of um, felt like I was going at it alone. Um, You know, it was never discussed. And so it was kind of this topic that I I felt like I couldn't bring up. So I don't know if they were nervous for me or not. Um, They, to this day will claim to hardly notice my stutter. That's also some pretty classic parenting there. I feel like that's what my my parents would be like, huh, never knew. Huh. Huh. You don't say. How long has this been happening? <laughs> I asked my dad recently, um, over last Christmas, I asked him um, just to confirm. Um, I was like, so, so I was about three when I started Thuddering, right? And he just looked at me and he was like, eh, I I think so, something around there. So I had to go to my mom and ask her. She actually had notes, so. Classic dad. Go ask your mom. How would I know when you started stuttering? Now, while I was interviewing Aaron, I was also Googling stuttering, because I am a professional. <laughs> And I was on a little website called mayoclinic.com, and it said, if you're a parent of a child who stutters, don't make a big deal out of the stuttering. So Aaron's parents did the right thing. But the worst part about being a person is that you don't get to stay in the warm bubble of familial approval forever. It's a tragedy, but someday... You have to leave the nest and go out into the world. And when Aaron went out into the world. I remember being in, it must have been kindergarten or preschool. It was very early on. And I was um, I was climbing on the, the jungle gym with one of my classmates. And I um, we were talking. And um, she looked over at me and she, 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 she said, why do you talk like that? And I just remember looking at her like, well, duh, that's just, that's just how I talk. I talk differently, that's all. Um, and just going along with my day, like it was, not, it was not a big deal. I had not yet like internalized any sort of s- stigma around it at the time. Erin might not yet have internalized that stigma, but the adults around her definitely had. Erin was forced into playing Auntie M, by the way. I just envision a teacher thinking, you know what? I know what's going to cure this child. Exposure. Exposure therapy will put her in the play. 
She'll be a star. She'll get over her stutter standing in front of dozens of adults and peers in a high-pressure situation that the Mayo Clinic does not suggest putting a child with a stutter into, but we don't have the internet yet. So how would I know? God, it was it was torture. And then on top of that, having my friend, because I had already begun to internalize it a little bit. I was nervous speaking in public. I was nervous about the play. And then to have this this external source come out and say, oh no, you're absolutely correct. It's it's unacceptable. So there she is, pushed out onto a stage, front and center. There's Erin in the spotlight. After having just been told by her very best friend, Erin, don't stutter. It's embarrassing when you stutter. The f- first line that I had to say was um, the name um, Dorothy, because I'm looking for Dorothy. So it's it's um, Dorothy, Dorothy, where are you? Dorothy. I remember the whole thing. <laughs> and um, words that begin with the letter D are very difficult. It's that hard sound that you're like pushing air out of your mouth. And um, it's a really difficult uh, word for me to say. And so to get up on the stage and to not be able to even do my opening line was really tough. Um, How did the play go? I think I was so caught up in what um, my friend had said that I was just kind of in my own head so much that I, I don't even I don't even remember most of the play. Yeah, I don't even remember how badly I stuttered. So I do remember briefly doing a block at the beginning of my of my lines. So so that was the first time that I realized that it was like really, really noticeable and that it was something that I couldn't, shouldn't be doing um, from a societal standpoint. This is the first time that it really sinks in for Aaron, but it definitely isn't the last. Like, let's say you buy a blue Jeep. Congratulations, by the way. And then you're driving around and you find yourself amazed, astounded at the number of blue Jeeps there are driving around the road. Erin now knows that something is wrong with her and she can't stop seeing it. It kind of came on slowly. Um, One of the really common things with people who stutter, which... The cruel thing is that um, one of the hardest words for me to say is the word stutter. Um, it's a really common th- common th- thing for people to have difficulty saying their own names because that's a word you can't um, replace with another word if you're having trouble with it. Right. And so I definitely began getting the, oh, did you forget your name kind of... Kind of um, lighthearted, you know, they didn't mean anything by it, but um, it just, when you hear that over and over again, it 
you begin to internalize that like, oh, this is not the correct way of speaking. I'm not supposed to be doing this. This is not, um, this is not good. Aaron's mom, while not making a big deal of Aaron's stutter, does get her signed up for an IEP. That's an individualized education plan, which means that once a week, Aaron leaves class to go see a speech therapist. Cool, right? It was... It was not cool to leave class. I think everybody knew why I was leaving class. And so it it's not like I was leaving for, like, a cool reason. <laughs> I was just going for speech therapy. I didn't, like, saunter out of the classroom or anything. <laughs> it's not like when you get your braces tightened and you're like, see ya, I'm going to get new colors right, on my exactly. braces, everyone. Right, and you come home with, like, McDonald's and all yeah. that stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah no, exactly. You're like, I'm going to, like, a room of shame, basically. Right, exactly, exactly. She does this even through high school. Standing up, sneaking out of class to go to a special room to see a special counselor who tries to help Erin with her stutter. I didn't get a ton out of it, um, f- for the most part. I had one speech therapist in high school who would have me... Um, either talk for a certain amount of time or or would would have me um um read a paragraph and then would point out to me every time she heard me stutter which was so useless because I knew that it was going on like I knew that I was stuttering so you would read and she'd be like you're stuttering yeah, exactly. I heard you said her on this word and this word and this word. No and doubt, lady. I heard it too. Like, We're both exactly. here. We both have ears. Like, exactly. I was the one saying it. I, I definitely experienced it. Yeah. Erin, oh, this sucks. <laughs> like, so basically, like, the treatment was like, just don't stutter. Yeah, basically. And they had little, you know, little techniques like breathing exercises and there's a technique that is um it's popular in some some circles where you just like speak really slowly until you draw out the word like that and that does tend to help but on the other hand all of a sudden you're speaking really slowly (laughs) and that's its own sounds like its own like speech impediment almost well especially in a world where everyone including myself is like moving super super quickly and like talk super quickly listen super quickly is like come on yeah exactly I'd like to remind you for the billionth time in this podcast that we all contain multitudes. So I am a person who loves terrible, stupid comedies. I really do. They are my favorite. And a favorite among my favorites is this um, fine piece of cinema called Billy Madison, where the titular character, Billy Madison, played by award-winning actor Adam Sandler is a spoiled rich guy whose only hope of inheriting his dad's company and therefore a fortune is to go back to school, not just college, if that's what you're thinking. This guy's got to spend two weeks in each grade 
from kindergarten through high school, and hilarity ensues, like this one scene where he's in third grade and a kid is reading aloud and stuttering and Billy Madison interrupts and goes, Today, Junior! (laughs) And we all laugh. Because it's an iconic scene. It is one that my brothers and I reenact, that I repeat, maybe even to my kids sometimes. And it's one that Erin referenced in her letter to us. Not as one of her favorite movie scenes of all time, but as one of the more hurtful things that has happened to her in her experience. People say that to her. That stuttering is somehow a big joke, but the joke's on her. Because the assumption that's often made with Aaron's stutter is that Aaron is silly. She just can't find the word she's looking for. She's a little absent-minded. She's stupid, maybe. I was actually told by my high school guidance counselor that I wasn't... I told her that I, that I really wanted to go to um, UCLA. That was like my dream school. And she told me that um, I was not exactly college material. Um and that if I really wanted to, I could go to, to, to potentially go to a state school. But, um, you know, which are, which are all, all fine and good. But I had wanted to go to UCLA. And so she told me that, that I, you know, should really, like, look into things where I didn't have to speak. Erin is not stupid. Like, not at all. Her stutter means that her brain works harder than most brains all the time, certainly harder than mine, because regular conversations aren't just regular conversations. Erin's always planning 10 steps ahead, thinking of alternate ways the conversation can go if she has a block or if she starts a repetition, and she has a massive vocabulary to help her substitute words when the one she wants to use won't come out. So this morning, I went to a coffee shop. Usually, my husband makes me coffee and brings it to me in bed because that's what men are good for. But today, I bought some. And when I got to the front of the line, the interaction went a little like this. I said, small light roast with room for cream, please. And then the barista handed that to me and I paid for it and that was it. Simple. Now, when Aaron goes to the coffee shop, it usually goes something like this. Hi, I would like a small latte with... Do you have any kind of non-dairy milk? Yeah, we certainly do. I would like an... uh, With almond milk, please. So that's tough, right, to do that with a stranger who has a line of other people to serve who's in a hurry. But what's even more crushing about that interaction, something you can't tell, is that what Aaron ordered is not what Aaron wants to drink. So a lot of times I actually would prefer a cappuccino, but that's harder for me to say. So I um, will go with latte because that's easier. I'll often ask, do you have almond milk? Because that's easier for me to say than 
soy milk. Every day, that's what small interactions look like for Erin, a negotiation between what her brain wants to say and what her mouth will let her say. I mean, across the board, I, I order things that I don't necessarily want all the time from restaurants and from, from coffee shops and all that, just because it's the easier thing to say, which I think with my stuttering, I feel, I feel very trapped in my own kind of head. And that's um, really frustrating to me. I feel like I'm not able to really be my, my authentic self all the time. Think about that for a minute. Just imagine where every spoken word you make during the day has to be filtered, police changed, adapted, where you have to say things in ways that don't fully reflect what you mean, where you have to order things you don't want just to be understood. But you're not really being understood. You're just trying to communicate as best you can. Kind of makes you feel anxious just thinking about it, huh? So I'm constantly on like kind of like high alert anxiety <laughs> where um, because any speaking situation could turn out to be a total total shit show <laughs> um, and so and and I don't necessarily know you know I'm never sh- sh- sure if I'm gonna be in an, an awkward situation where my stuttering is really bad, I um, I never know um, if somebody is going to like laugh at me um, or you know make fun of me f- um, f- 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 for it. Which I mean, like grown adults do that way too frequently. <laughs> I feel. Um, um, like, tell me more about that. <laughs> yeah, well, just like, like repeating, if I've done, um, a repetition, um, I've had people repeat that back to me. So if I say, could I have a l- l- latte? I've had people, you know, behind the counter say, okay, so one l- l- latte coming up, like that kind of thing. Um, definitely a lot of, like, did you forget what you're talking about? Like, that sort of thing. Just, like, straight-up laughter. I get that a lot. And, like, they probably don't know that it's a thing. They probably just think it's a one-time... Because I think at, at some point, everybody sort of struggles for a word or stutters a little bit. And so they think they're being real lighthearted and like you're both in on the joke, but it doesn't feel that way. Right. Absolutely. And I, and, and I can understand that, you know, people, I mean, again, like this isn't a very highly publicized condition. Um, the biggest press we got probably was with um, the movie The King's Speech. <laughs> That was our big shining moment yeah. where we were hoping people would understand a little bit more. But there, we will if you're Colin Firth. 
We'll be back. And we're back. Not every interaction Aaron has includes stuttering. We talked for a while, and you can hear this and listen. It's not like she's stuttering through every single word of every single conversation. So not everyone who meets her knows that she stutters. Aaron did get to graduate from UCLA. Take that, guidance counselor, if that is your real title. Erin did get a good job in a field that means a lot of solo work and where she often works remotely. So a lot of people only see her and hear her in a certain way. I've always grown up um, like being told that I was shy. And the truth is, I'm not actually all that shy. I, um, I'm definitely introverted, but I'm not... Um, I actually think that if I didn't have my stutter, I would enjoy public speaking. I just don't, I just hate it because of my stutter. Now, Erin doesn't like public speaking, but she is also a person with ambition. And one day, her boss asks her to present her work in front of a bunch of colleagues, like a lot of them, in person. So I knew about it about a week in advance. That is also I had time to prepare. That is not time? Yeah. (laughs) No. Erin, no, it's not. No, a week? I would have been like... See, I'm not used to giving presentations, so I'm not sure what the the proper protocol is for this. It's Erin's boss. It's more than a week. Doing a presentation at work is always a big deal. This is where you get to prove to everyone that you know your stuff, that you are an expert in your field, that you are an asset to the team. And it's not just what you say in this presentation, right? It's how you say it. That's always the case, isn't it? You can't just get up there and drone on and on, reading from the same PowerPoint slides you've handed out. Actually, if you do that, stop, don't do that. We can all read. You can't mumble, you can't look nervous. At least that's the prevailing attitude, that it's not just what you say, it's how you say it. And you should say it confidently, directly, especially if you are a woman trying to smash through that glass ceiling. To stutter is the opposite of that, right? Stuttering puts the emphasis not on what you're saying, but on how you are saying it. It's Erin's fear that this stutter is going to make her look unprepared or uninformed, and she's none of the above. She doesn't just know her stuff. She knows a bunch of different ways to convey it to her audience. So I was hoping for a good speech day. I was, I was, some days are better than others. Who knows why? There's no, scientists haven't figured that part out yet, but, um, I basically had to both prepare the content of my 
presentation, but also kind of plan for stuttering and plan for alternate alternate um, ways of saying things. So I had a kind of like backup speech almost. Um, luckily, I had I had um, I had handouts, and so I didn't have to do any reading, which is like the total the the worst thing someone could ask me to do is to read a paragraph aloud, basically. <laughs> You have like escape routes, sort of. So it's like if I get stuck here, uh, last night I was doing a um, a maze with my son, not like a real one, mm-hmm. like one in Highlights Magazine. <laughs> we weren't right. like out in a maze. <laughs> uh, but, you know, it's like you. I, I just imagine it sort of like mentally, you know where you're going, right? So, you know, I know, I know, I know this presentation. I know the material. I'm a smart woman. And mm. you have this sort of mental map that you're going through you're doing the presentation and boom you hit a wall there's no path anymore and so you know oh this is the part where I say this instead right exactly and I have to keep that in the back of my mind and so I'm not able to to fully focus on the presentation itself I have to be constantly aware of this like other track in my mind So, about 25 years after she played Auntie M, Erin is back in the spotlight. This time, in front of a bunch of her peers. This time, she doesn't just know her lines. Thank you for coming today. My name is Erin Williams, and I'm here to talk to you about the changes we've made to the reporting structure. Please let me know if you have any questions along the way. She knows her lines in multiple versions, just in case. I appreciate you being here today. I'm Erin Williams. I'm going to speak about alterations we've made to how our reports are collected. If any questions occur to you during this presentation, please feel free to ask. So, how did it go? I definitely, I definitely blocked. I definitely did um, repetitions. I did all that. Um, everybody was very polite about it. Um, it. You know, it was a professional setting. So it's this weird thing where, where like I walked away simultaneously proud that I had d- done it. But also anytime I do something like that, I always just have this feeling of like, like, that could have been that could have gone so much better Aaron's email to us was not primarily about stuttering or at least that wasn't the lead she wrote this is about stuttering i've attempted suicide and i'm in weekly therapy on a cocktail of antidepressants and anti-anxiety drugs I have depression, and I have severe anxiety. I'd have them anyway, but they're both hugely exacerbated by the fact that I stutter. I was first um, officially diagnosed when I was 25, so it's been almost 10 years of 
you know, trying out all the medication and trying out all the all the different you know ways of going about treating it. And um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm still looking for for ways to do it. Um, I've been in the hospital a number of times um, for for either suicidal ideation or I had a sort of half-hearted suicide attempt, which left me with some really neat scars on my wrists. <laughs> it's been lonely for Erin, this constant anxiety around her human interactions. I was, I was tired of being the only person I knew who stutters. Um, it's a very isolating kind of um, affliction, I guess. <laughs> So one day, Erin hits the old Google and finds a conference for people who stutter. She had been to one before, but that one had been small, maybe 100 people. But this other conference, National Stuttering Association Annual Conference, it's in Chicago that year, and they expected 1,000 attendees, 1,000 people who are just like her who struggle with blocks and repetitions and people making bad jokes about the way they speak. An entire event where Erin will be not special. Erin books her reservation, gets on a plane, gets to the hotel, and... You walk in and... I think a lot of people, for the first time, are um, are around people who stutter... And so, for the first time, they f- feel comfortable introducing themselves to people. So everyone is super friendly, and so um, so people introduce themselves to you. Everyone has name tags, which is which is great because everyone hates saying their own name, um, which I guess is pretty common for conferences. But still, it was a very helpful thing for this one. It was just it was it was overwhelming at the beginning. Um, to be, um, it took a little while for it to click that I was actually like among people who were like me, because I'm so, so, so used to being around fluent people all the time and people who just don't fundamentally understand what it's like to stutter. So it took about a day to to really get get into the the kind of comfort level around speaking. I want this feeling for everyone. Just want to bottle it up and hand it out. This feeling where you just find your people. Erin finds her people at this conference, and it is wonderful. She doesn't have to plan her usual escape routes and alternatives. She can just be. She can just talk. One of the, the, the best things we get to do is um, some of my new friends and I, we made a promise to not do any um, word replacement. So whatever we wanted to 
say we were going to say and not use replacement words. It was really freeing. I was able to just completely focus on what I was saying. And that was, it was really freeing. I love that. I just love the idea of all of you being like, fuck it, we're going to wait for each other. Okay. And we did, yeah. yeah. It, you know, we stuttered and, 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 you know, we had like long repetitions and we blocked and like no one cared. It was just, we were literally just listening to what the other person was saying and couldn't have cared less about how they were saying it. It, it, it was great. It was, it, yeah, it was really magical, honestly. <laughs> now, is stuttering really that terrible? Yes, if you stutter. Yes, if you stutter in a world where people think it's funny or silly or means you're stupid. Yes, if it pushes you deep into your own head and colors all of your experiences. Yes, if it's all tangled up with your anxiety and depression. Yes, and it's one of those things where the only thing wrong with stuttering is that it doesn't fit into a very narrow definition of what it means to speak well. We all have this th- have this th- thing that like we're not allowed to talk about. And even if we do there's not a lot of you can get plenty of sympathy, but there's not a lot of empathy. So there's not a lot of people who like truly understand what it's like. I have not spoken with a lot of people like Aaron, or I haven't listened to a lot of people like Aaron the way I've listened to Aaron. You know what I've done around stuttering kids or even stuttering adults? I've finished their sentences. I've moved the conversation forward. Because I assumed that I was doing the kind thing, that I was saving them from the awkwardness of the situation, when really, I was just being kind of an a-hole. Really, it was my own discomfort, my own awkwardness in the situation that I was saving myself from. Because who am I to say how someone should speak? Don't read the reviews of this podcast. People don't like how much I say like, or my voice, or really anything about me. Erin is still working with speech therapists. She's working on techniques to keep from stuttering, but also techniques to build her confidence with her stuttering. At some points in our interview, Erin talked about different attitudes within the stuttering community. One is that the focus should be on what you're saying and not how you say it, which, heck yes. One other focus is on keeping your chin up and not letting your stuttering get you down, which is hard for Erin because stuttering is hard. It's hard when people laugh at her or finish her sentences or pretend like her stutter doesn't exist when it's this thing that has largely shaped her life. So what does Erin want? Does she want people to talk to her like she doesn't stutter? Does she want people to acknowledge it, to ask questions, to ignore it? Yeah, yes, all of those. She wants it to be normalized, and she wants people to act like it's not happening, which basically just means don't finish her sentences, don't rush to cure your own discomfort. 
let her bring it up if she wants to, and then just be cool about it. Is that list of wishes and instructions confusing to you? Of course it is. We are all so confusing, even those of us who don't stutter. This desire to be understood and known is hardly ever perfectly aligned with our social situation, our mood, whatever else is going on. All of us are just a bunch of walking contradictions about how we'd like to move through this world. And all of that is just what Erin wants. She's not the official spokesperson of stuttering. She's just Erin, and I'm just Nora, and you're just you. But the way Erin and other people who stutter get through the world isn't just on them, you know? I don't think that Erin and other people who stutter need to be cured or fixed. I don't think it's on them to just speak better. I think it's on me and people like me to just listen better. I think that's the problem, and that's pretty easily fixable. Yeah, I'm, I'm okay. I'm... I would say I'm not great, but I'm okay. I'm Nora McInerney, and this has been Terrible. Thanks for asking. Our senior producer is Hans Buto. Marcel Malikibu is our assistant producer. Hannah Meacock Ross is our project manager. We got help this episode from Jeff Kamen. Thanks, buddy. Our music is by Joffrey Wilson. And our Shih Tzus are Niven, Pickford, and Stacy McHartmort. Um, we would like to bring them to work, but we are a production of American Public Media, and APM has said no. Please write them. <laughs> Fight for our Shih Tzus. <laughs> Don't actually do that, okay? I'm on thin ice. You can't do <laughs>